time for a new conversation on the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. As you approach retirement, you might be wondering as it gets closer, am I really done yet? Isn't there a way I can continue to work, but more on my own terms? And one option you might be considering is consulting. But what does it take to do that successfully? What's the transition like? And is consulting right for you? And are you right for consulting? Joining us today to discuss those questions and more is Amy Rosdahl. She's the founder of Billable at the Beach. And that's a company that helps hundreds of people start their own successful consulting businesses. And she's done this herself. She traded her corporate job for consulting 15 years ago, leveraging the advantages that consulting offers, including more freedom, greater flexibility and control, interesting work and excellent pay, while being able to work when you want, where you want, and how you want. Prior to starting her own business, Rosdale Associates, 15 years ago, Amy had over 25 years experience in operations, product development, corporate development, and marketing. Rosdale Associates specialized in the other side of entrepreneurship, implementation, and execution. Amy earned an MBA from the Amos Tuck School at Dartmouth and has undergraduate degrees in computer science, music, and French. Amy, thanks for joining us. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. So people have just heard your brief bio, but I'm wondering, if, could you tell us what your transition was like moving from the corporate roles you had into consulting? Yes. So I, like many people, really ended up consulting accidentally. I'll back up just a little bit or just a lot bit, but I'll make it short and sweet. I am a Silicon kid. My dad was an early Silicon Valley guy, so I grew up there in the world of technology startups. Honestly, I didn't, it didn't really occur to me that there were any other career options because that's kind of what everyone was doing. That's what my dad did. All the dinner tables that I sat around at friends' houses and all that kind of stuff. So my long-term career goal was to be a startup CEO. Started out as a software engineer eventually went to business school. Out of business school, I systematically built my cross-functional training, all the functional areas, big company, jumped off and did a venture-funded startup. Then I did a bootstrap startup. And somewhere along the way, one of those startups crashed and burned. Man, we are going high-flying and the the crash was fast and hard. (laughs) I learned a lot of great things. So What happened after that crash, we crashed, but the job market in general was still pretty good. So I set about looking for my next position. I was at the executive level at that point. At the company that crashed and burned, I was vice president of operations, acting vice president of R&D product development. And a consulting project fell into my lap 20 hours a week for three months. And I thought, well, this is perfect because I was at a level and a point in my career by then that I really wanted to be selective about the next position that I took. So I was really just intending that to pay the bills to give me a longer... Because we were at a startup that crashed and burned, you might imagine there were no severance packages or anything like that, right? We were out of money. Nobody got packages or severance pay or any of that kind of stuff. So I thought it'll pay the bills for a few months, make things a little comfortable. I can be really selective in my next spot. Joe, I got five or six weeks into that project and I said, cancel the job search. This is the life. I'm now a consultant. And I have never looked back on that particular decision. 
I did, however, make every mistake known to man (laughs) in the early and subsequent years of building my consulting business. And so, Amy, what are some of the key things that people need to know about consulting as a second career? So as a second career or a first career, really, well, it's honestly, it's never a first career. It's always a transition because my belief of consulting is, so here's my philosophical approach to being a consultant, which varies a little bit. My version, what I want to do and what I help people do is superhero, superpower, super pay. So you want to take your expert skills. So the reason I say it's never really a, a very first career is because you have, you have to do something to build expert skills. So that's being a superhero with a superpower. And then I also want you to make super pay. So a lot of people think, okay, well, what do I need? And an interesting thing for me is I just told you a little bit about my story, right? I started as a software engineer. I went to a fancy business school. I got all this cross-functional experience. I'd been involved in startups, but I had never started my own consulting business before. And I had not worked in any big consulting firms. So I thought, well, I wonder what's involved in getting started. And I was sitting there at that crossroad thinking, I know there's stuff you have to do. Is it a big mountain? Or is it just a little hill? And I want to tell everybody right now, there's no big mountain. It's just a little hill. And I think what you need to focus on to get started is two things. Land a project, get a check in the bank. I don't care if you have a website. I don't care if you have a company name. I don't want you, I'm not an attorney or a financial advisor, but I don't want you to worry overly about corporate structure and all this kind of stuff. I really want you to land a project and get a check in the bank. Then you can name it and build your website and do your logo and all that stuff later on. Now, what do you need to land a project and get a check in the bank? You need brains, business experience, a phone and a computer. And I don't think there's anyone here today that doesn't have those four things, right? I have a daughter who's, I have a couple of kids, they're nine and 19, so big age gap. But my 19-year-old daughter, by the time she was 12, even she had a phone, right? So I think all of us have those things. It's really all you need. And there's really not much you need to do. And I think it's really important to talk about landing a project and getting a check in the bank Because my belief is, and I know that in your podcast, you talk about all different parts of life, not only work, you talk about hobbies. So until you're making money, in my opinion, it's not a business, it's a hobby. Now, I've worked a lot in life sciences. So there are businesses and companies like pharmaceutical development where it may be 15 years before you make any money, but I don't think consulting is not that right? You really can make money pretty quickly. So it makes sense to get started. But what are the major obstacles you see people having to get over to really move ahead? It's the same obstacle that's always the case, right? It's ourselves. We're almost always the biggest obstacle in our own way, right? So the biggest thing really, I'm not a mindset coach, but the biggest thing really is fear. It's a little bit scary to go out there. I work with a lot of people 
even the people that I, I refer to as sales animals, we all know them. These people, I actually have a little boy who I think may be one of these. These people from when they're little kids, they talk to everybody, they know everybody, they're comfortable, they're just all super social, super extrovert. I call them sales animals. Even those people, when it comes to selling themselves, it's a little bit scary because they may have spent their whole career in sales, but now you're selling yourself. So if someone rejected you in the past, it's really about the product or the company. It's not necessarily you, but now it is. Now it's you, so it's scary. And then I say it's so easy to get started. There are some things that you have to figure out. You have to figure out, and I think for a second career, kind of retirement age career, it's much harder at this point to figure out what superpower am I going to sell? Because now, by now, we all have a lot of superpowers, right? We've accumulated a lot of experience. So it's a little bit tricky. And I think people have some heartburn kind of narrowing down and focusing a little bit. So what I encourage people to do is find that intersection of what you're really good at, your deep experience and expertise, what you really love to do. So there may be some things that you're really good at, but boy, you don't want to do them anymore. I worked with a client who she had been a CPA. So she had worked as a CPA for several years and then jumped off into the commercial industry side, but all of her jobs had been in finance and accounting. And she said, I am sick of finance and accounting. I want to do something a little bit different. So there may be pieces in our experience and expertise that we don't like as much. So what are your deep experiences and expertise? What do you really love? And the piece that you can't miss is what will the market pay for? So not everything. So I love to water ski and I love to dance. And neither one of those fields is a, has high earning potential in general, right? So even though I love to do those things and I still spend quite a bit of my time doing both of them, nobody pays me for it. Or on the occasion they do pay me, it's pretty small compared to what I can earn in the other sector. So the intersection, deep experience and expertise, what really lights you up and what people will pay for. So that can take a little bit of work for people who have climb to the places where either they have a a varied background or they've come to the general management level where it's hard to figure out, okay, where do I want to focus? And there's a reluctance to take things kind of off the table. But when you're selling, you're more effective if you're focused. So as you're starting to kind of think about this and think, oh, maybe consulting might be for me, remember that you can start out with a particular focus And it doesn't mean that you have to stay there forever, right? Pick one, don't agonize too much, pick an area, test it out, and over time it will evolve. The other big thing that I run into a lot is that people at the kind of second career retiring from perhaps a nine to five corporate job is a reluctance to charge what they're worth. So earlier on, there's a reluctance. And later, I talk to so many people who say, I want to make some money or I need to make some money, but I don't need to work full time anymore. And where that starts to lead is I'm going to give the client a break. 
So we always go down this conversation and there's two big things about that. There seems to be two big things about everything we're talking about today, but two things there. One is why shouldn't you charge what you're worth? And we talk through and people say, well, you know, I don't need all the money. And I have the conversation and I say, look, if you have extra money, the client that you're working for, odds are they're not a nonprofit organization. If they are a nonprofit organization, that's a different story. But most of the time we're consulting for for-profit enterprises. If you have extra money, you don't have to keep it all, but you decide where it goes, right? So you get the joy, you yourself, you with your partner, your family, whatever it might be, you get to decide where that money goes. And that's fun. The other thing is you're not doing your client any favor by not charging what your services are worth. So I have an example that I like to talk about with this. Um, I mentioned that I do a lot of dance and I'm getting to the age where I can't just show up for dance class and dance. I have to do other stuff to keep my body running because, you know, I've got a few miles on it now. It's just like when your car starts getting towards 70, 80, 90,000 miles, you have to do more stuff than you did when you first drove it out of the dealership. So I spend a lot of time on that now. And I have a lot of times the kind of physical therapy, body work type stuff that I, I need to do to keep my maintenance up is not covered by insurance. So I'm cash paying. So I have somebody that I work with and she's about $100 an hour. If I'm paying $100 an hour and she gives me a set of exercises and stretches to do, do you think I'm going to do them? Yes, I'm paying $100 an hour. Opposed to perhaps when I'm going to physical therapy that's covered by insurance and I'm paying a $10 copay. So there's this interesting phenomenon that if your client is paying you a good consulting rate, they're more likely to do what you say. And you really do have the experience and expertise to know what they need to do. So you charging what you're worth is actually going to make your client more successful. So it's not just a self-serving thing to charge what you're worth. Great points. And in addition to that, what are some other common mistakes you see people make before they get to you? Other consultants? So yes. A really big one is, and this is a little bit ironic because most people are leaving their their full time to kind of retire and consult because they want freedom, flexibility, and control. But there's this human need for stability, right? And we have to really fight against seeking stability. So it's a really common mistake to think, okay, I want to sell all my capacity as quickly as I can to one client. So that's a common mistake that everybody makes thinking that, okay, that's going to give me stability. But what that does is if you sell all of your capacity to one client, you're looking for freedom, flexibility, and control. If you sell all of your capacity to one client, then you pretty quickly become a de facto employee. They come to kind of own your time But you don't get any of the good parts of being an employee, which is benefits and all of those things. So it's instead of you're kind of looking for the best of both worlds, you pretty quickly end up with the worst of both worlds. Another really big mistake, too, is people don't always take the time, especially at the second career stage, 
I want everyone to really be mindful and think about how much time do you want to spend working? Do you want to still work full time? I'm not yet at at the retirement point. And since I have such a young child still, I've got some years to go before I'm going to be at that point. But I thought that I could bill at least 40 or 50 hours a week working as a full-time consultant. And it didn't take me too long to figure out that working full-time, I shoot to bill 30 hours a week. And here's why. Networking, marketing, and business development to keep my pipeline full of high-quality projects, it takes me between 10 and 15 hours a week. And then like it or not, on an average basis, it takes an average of about five hours a week for infrastructure and admin. So perhaps not five hours every week, but at some point there will be websites and corporate structure and figuring out taxes and figuring out health insurance and other, you know, just all of those little things. It doesn't mean that you can't go on vacation or take a weekend off or something like that. It really isn't a 24-7 activity. But if you could just give it a little push every day, it's amazing how much momentum will be maintained with that. Just kind of make it a regular habit. I haven't listened to all of your episodes, but I know there are fitness people and people who are helping us all maintain our bodies. And if you can just do the, you know, the body likes to move. If you can just do a little something every day, it makes a really big difference. It's the same idea with this. It's not that hard. So fitness is really important. For example, I wouldn't be a good fit for either water skiing or dancing. But <laughs> notice about what types of people are a really good fit for consulting as a second career and who is less so? So I think the most important thing is wanting to do it. So you do have to go into it realizing that you really are committing to that ongoing networking, marketing, and business development. But I'll tell you really, it's relationships. So it's building relationships. And by this point in our lives, Most of us are pretty good at it and we get to choose who we have those relationships with. So kind of some of those nightmare people that we've had to work with all these years, we can let some of those people go. And hopefully there's just a few of them. For us thinking about retirement, almost all of us have the experiences and expertise to be able to do it. So you have to have something to offer but I think almost all of us do at this point. So honestly, I think it's mostly the interest, the desire, the ability to make a contribution are really what make a fit. And you mentioned the amount of time that people need to spend on a regular basis networking and in business development. What are some things you've learned over the years about how to network really well? Yes. So I say that I'm not a mindset coach. However, there are a couple of important mindset things. So here I think is the most important mindset thing to talk about before we enter into that next discussion. You have highly valuable, highly useful, highly developed skills, experience, and expertise to offer the world. And you really owe it to the world to get those out there. So you may be thinking that as you're doing outreach and reach, 
you know, reaching out to people and telling them what you're doing, asking for projects that you're imposing, that you're like, I'm sure that all of us have at least once had that multi-level marketing friend who's just always trying to sell their stuff. (laughs) And you kind of like, you see them across the pool deck at your kid's swim meet and you think this is a good time to duck into the restroom because here comes Sally with her bag full of whatever it is, right? That, that's not what we're doing here. We really do have something to offer. So I want to first put yourself in your potential client's spot. Let's say that you're sitting there, you're still at your corporate job, you have a big project or an objective or something, and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. I don't have the capacity or I'm missing some particular skills. And let's say just the right person to fill that gap came along at the perfect time. Would you feel like it was imposition or would you feel like celebrating? You would feel like celebrating. You would be so thankful that that person came along at the right time. So you are now in the position to be that person. So the best way I came up with, and I was doing this process and teaching this process for years before I put this little catchy name around it, but I call it my three action steps to generate revenue now. And we started out talking about networking, Joe, but the networking is to ultimately lead us to revenue. That's where we want it to go. So the three action steps to generate revenue now, the first thing we already talked about, and that is your value proposition or your superpower. So what is it that you're going to offer out of all of your bag of tricks? What are you going to offer? The next thing that I want you to do is make a list of people that you're going to tell. All of us have a large network of people that we've built relationships with. The first place to start is all the people that you've worked with over your long career. And you know what? If you worked at Hewlett Packard, and that's kind of my world, 25 years ago, and you worked there for 10 years, but you haven't really thought or talked to anybody for 15 years, that's still okay. If somebody reached out to you from back in those days, you would think, oh, George, I haven't thought of you in years. What did Susie ever, and did Susie ever graduate from high school? Because boy, when I was sitting in the cubicle next to you, you really weren't sure that was ever going to happen. Or did you ever get that sailboat that you dreamed of? Or, you know, whatever it might, what happened to you after that? People will really be happy to hear from you. So first make the list, all the people that you've worked with in the past, family, friends. I know that I've met a lot of other parents through my kids being in school. If you're lucky enough to still have friends of your parents or maybe their kids, neighbors, your doctor, your dentist, your estate attorney, your car mechanic, let all of those people know what you're doing. Hey, I retired, but now I'm offering my services as a consultant and here's how I can help people. That's going to be your first level of reaching out to people is reconnecting with the network that we all already have and re-engaging and letting them know because out of those hundred, and I tell everybody, I have a strong technical background. I'm an engineer by background. So I have a side of my personality that's very introverted. I love nothing more than just taking a few days and sitting in front of my computer and not talking to anybody. So even if you 
characterize yourself as a very introverted engineer, everyone can make a list of at least 100 people to tell, and then you reach out to those people. So what this actually is, it goes beyond networking. It's really a system of hot lead generation. So these people are all people that know you to some degree. They know you and they know that you do good work because all of us do good work. Then what you're looking for is someone who has a project that's appropriate for your skills and the budget to pay for it. So I've taught this enough times now to know that if you reach out to 100 people, three to five of those people are going to call you back and they're going to say, you know, Joe, I think I might have something for you. Let's talk. And out of those three to five, odds of closing one or two of those into an actual billable project, the odds of that are very high. So that's kind of a short, simple three steps to land a project. And if there are people listening who are thinking, I don't know, I don't know if I would really like it. Some of the stuff she said really resonates with me, but some of it, I don't know. You really can kind of just stick a toe in the water. Take the three steps. I'm saying do it for a hundred people, do it for less, you know, start your outreach. It gets easier. And then there is the ongoing networking. So you don't just do that one time and stop. I do those three action steps about once a quarter just to kind of keep in touch because that guy from Hewlett Packard that you haven't seen in 15 years, you're going to touch base once and he thinks, oh gosh, I don't have anything. But a couple of years later, he might, and he might thinking, oh now, who was that who reached out to me a couple of years ago? If you're just sending a short and sweet email about once a quarter, then he or she is more likely to remember that you're around. And then those relationships that you have, then you want to keep those up. Then you want to come up with some type of a system where I'll sit and I'll say, okay, I'm going to attend one or two industry association in person now that we can finally do it again, in-person networking events a month. I'm going to make three calls a week. I'm going to have three coffee meetings every other week, one or two lunches or breakfast. You kind of make yourself a little schedule that works for your life and your way of doing things and keep in touch. And one last question, Amy, if you have time. What's one thing that's a benefit about consulting that people might be surprised by? So I think. The biggest surprise to people is that you can still use your expertise. You can make more money that you were making before. You can be more satisfied because you can have such a big impact on your clients. I know that when I first started it, my dad's not around anymore, but he was. And I was lucky to have a dad who was always my best business mentor. And when I first got into it for a while, I remember talking to him and I said, dad, I've been sitting all those years at board meetings and executive meetings and telling people and telling people year after year to do certain things. Some of them they did, but a lot of it, they didn't listen to me. Now I have to be really careful what I tell people because they do it. So I think at that, this stage, one of the most surprising things is how much impact we can have on our clients. 
and their businesses. And we feel we're making good money seal, but we feel this immense satisfaction in making such a significant contribution, even though we kind of thought maybe we were going out to pasture. We're not. Much appreciated, Amy. Thanks for making the time and sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Time for takeaways. Three things to add to your to-do list to consider taking action from today's conversation. Number one, what's your superpower? What is that skill, that ability you have, that service you provide, the expertise you bring to the table that, as Amy noted, there's a market for? Identify your particular strength in that regard that could be the basis for your consulting business. Number two, how much time do you want to spend working? I think this is particularly important for people considering a second career. You might not be done yet, but how much do you really want to invest in work relative to the other things that you might be considering doing in your life post your primary career? And keep in mind, as you mentioned, the reality is if you're going into a consulting type business, it's going to require a lot of off-the-clock time, a lot of networking, relationship building, business development. What's your appetite? How much time do you want to continue to devote to work? Number three, tend to your network. Many listeners are still working. They're not retired yet. And if that's the case, don't put it off. Make sure you're dedicating and allocating some time to cultivating your network. Be strategic if you are serious about considering going into consulting as a second career. Invest in your network now. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. Our mission is to help people retire smarter by tending to the non-financial aspects of retirement life. You can view all of our episodes across six seasons at our website, retirementwisdom.com. It's a free retirement school, a variety of topics, great guests that can provide you with the insights you need to create the retirement you've earned. 